and welcome to the inaugural podcast of Franciscan Dave. I just want to let you know that uh, the whole purpose here of the Franciscan Dave podcast is to bring about uh, an awareness of our relationship with God. And I sort of take as um, my my mission uh, from 1 Peter 2.5, we are the living stones. And it says, and like living stones, let yourself be built into a spiritual house. And as a secular Franciscan, uh, I've spent the last uh, 21, 22 years studying Franciscan spirituality. And one of the things, you know, St. Francis was called to rebuild the church. And I think that we're in a situation in our culture today that we, as the living stones of the church, really need to be focused on rebuilding the church. And how are we going to do that? By making sure that we ourselves are built into a powerful spiritual house. You know, it's interesting that the call of St. Francis was, Francis, rebuild my church, which you can see is falling into ruin. And um, I think the original language was, Francis, rebuild my house which, as you can see, is falling into ruin, which just lends itself beautifully to that passage from Peter. We are living stones and build ourselves into a spiritual house. You know, it's also interesting, St. Francis took that call uh, literally. He went out and was begging for stones to actually rebuild the fallen-down chapel of San Damiano in uh, Assisi. And uh, he didn't realize until later, as he says, the Lord sent me brothers And it was at that time that he realized that rebuilding the church was not building the physical building, but building the spiritual church with the living stones. And that, my sisters and brothers, is you and I. I just want to lay down a couple of tenets for, uh, as I move forward with this podcast, and talking about how we are to rebuild the church with the living stones, there's a couple of pillars, some some fundamental things that when I read, when I study, when I teach, when I give retreats, I always want to make sure that my I'm standing on four pillars, four main pillars. One is truth. The second pillar is that Jesus is divine, the Son of God, the second person of the Blessed Trinity. The third pillar is that Scripture is the inspired Word of God. And the fourth pillar is that Jesus founded a church with authority. And so if what I'm studying, what I'm researching, what I'm teaching, uh, what I'm hearing is doesn't have any one of those four pillars, then I have to uh, count it as suspect. You know, is it really true? So when we look at these four pillars, you know, the first pillar is, is truth. And I think it's important, you know, I could do a whole uh, episode on truth, but I think it's important to realize, uh, at least my perspective of truth, is that truth is objective. That is, something cannot be both true and not true. So uh, I wrote a, a couple of articles uh, years ago that was published in Catholic Journal U.S., and, and the series was, To be a Catholic Christian is to reject relativism. That is, relativism, pick what's true for you is true for you, what's true for me is true for me, uh, even if it's conflicting. And the fact of the matter is, if what you hold to be true is in fact not true, then then, uh, you just have an opinion. Let me give an example. The earth is round. You know, we have a flat earth society, and the people in the flat earth society will tell you the earth is flat. Well, we know scientifically the earth is not flat. There are people there who believe the earth is flat and hold that as a truth. 
But the earth cannot be both round and flat. It has to be one or the other. So if the truth is that the earth is round, the earth cannot be flat. And if you hold to the, to the opinion that the earth is flat, that's just it. It's just an opinion. Give you some other examples. So if we take a look at uh, life in the womb, is the person conceived in the womb a human person or not? So if it's true that it's a human person, it cannot be a human person for me and just a blob of cells for you. It's one or the other. And let's take a look at the, the claim that Jesus is God. Is that true or is it not true? Right? So if it's true, then you have to take what Jesus says seriously. Uh, if it's not true, then you can just take a look at Jesus as any other good man, any other good teacher. But in fact, he would not be a good teacher because when he made claims of his divinity, well, you know, a rational and good teacher who claimed to be divine when he wasn't would really just be a lunatic. So I stand on the pillar of truth. Truth is objective. And, and I take a look at that. And so when we look at scripturally at truth, you know, the great question on truth comes in, in the trial of Jesus in John chapter 18, 38. Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? What is truth? And that, sisters and brothers, we have to have a good, solid understanding of truth. And in fact, I hope to do a whole episode on the nature of truth. But you know, Jesus said, I am the truth, right? He said that in John, uh, in the Gospel of John, when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. Jesus prayed to his Father, we, what we call in this high priestly prayer in John chapter 17, that he is consecrating his apostles in the truth. And he tells Pilate, I have come into the world to testify to the truth. And for John 14, 6, I am the truth, says Jesus. Um, and, G and John 1, 17, right? Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And John 4, 23, Jesus says, we must worship in spirit in truth. John the Baptist testified in John chapter 5 to the truth, referring to Jesus. And, and Jesus actually said in John 14, 17, the world cannot accept the spirit of truth. And then John 15, 26 Jesus says that the spirit of truth proceeds from the Father. And of course, in John 16, 13, he says that the spirit of truth will be given to the apostles and it will guide them into all truth. So, you know, it's really important that we have an understanding of the nature of truth. If we don't have an understanding and a good philosophical understanding of the nature of truth, then uh, we're really standing on a house of cards. So truth is objective. What's true is cannot be both true and untrue. So there you have it, my first pillar. The second pillar is Jesus is God. He is divine. He is the Son of God, the second person of the Blessed Trinity. Now you have to take that, right? That's a matter of faith. You know, if you don't believe that Jesus is God, then you really don't have to take seriously what he says. He's just another, just another good teacher, another good man. But, you know, if you look at the, the prologue in the Gospel of John, you know, it says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So this is the God-man. Jesus became 
man took on our human nature. He was God who took on our human nature. So if Jesus is God, right, then we have to take what he says serious, which means that there can be no other prophet, no matter how great they are, no other religion, no other great teacher on earth that can be his equal, because who can be equal to God, right? So for instance, Buddha, you cannot say that Jesus and Buddha are equal if Jesus is God. If Jesus is God, you cannot say that Muhammad and Jesus are equal and that they're both equal ways to the Father. Because Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. In fact, I have a good friend um, who, who's a, a Muslim named Abdallah. We were co-workers years ago and we worked together. And uh, we, were we often talked about the differences between Islam and Christianity. And, you know, acknowledging differences doesn't mean that, uh, you know, I'm an Islamophobe and it doesn't mean that he's a Christian phobe, right? We, we are very good. In fact, we, our friendship evolved to the point where we refer to each other as our brother from another mother. But what Abdallah told me about Christianity, he says, David, if I believe what Christians believe about Jesus, that Jesus is the son of God, he says, I could no longer be Muslim. If I believe Jesus was God, as Christians do, I would have to burn my Koran. I would have to reject all things that, that Islam teaches, and I would have to be Christian. Because he said, if Jesus is God, nobody could be his equal. And I thought that was a pretty profound statement coming from uh, a practicing Muslim. So my third pillar, Scripture is the inspired word of God. In fact, when we talk about Scripture being the inspired Word of God, uh, Pope Benedict XVI said that without faith, Scripture itself is not Scripture, but rather an ill-assorted collection of literature that cannot have any normative significance for today. So think about that, right? If Scripture is not the Word of God, it has no significance for us today or in our lives. So Scripture is the inspired word of God, which means we have to take what the scriptures say seriously. You know, if it is the word of God and if Jesus is God, we have to say, all right, how many times does God have to say something to make it true? I would, I would submit to you he only has to say it once. Only one time does Jesus have to say something if he is God to make it true. Or for scripture, if it is the inspired word of God, we have to take what it seri says seriously. We cannot just look at it as another good book of things that we can pick and choose. I choose to believe this. I don't choose to believe that. And in fact, you know, Jesus says, you know, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. So how do we know his commandments? Well, we go to the scriptures and we listen to the tradition of the church, which we'll talk about here in a minute. And, you know, I could go on, I could do a whole episode on the nature of Scripture. I could do a whole episode, you know, which I think I will, on Jesus being divine and the Son of God. So Scripture is the Word of God. In fact, the book of Acts starts out in verse 1. Luke is writing to Theophilus, and he says, In the first book, referring to Luke's gospel, because, as, as you know, uh, maybe you don't know, but the author of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, was the author of Acts, and in fact, the only reason we have the book of John in between these writings, because we have the four Gospels uh, writings together in the book. But Acts is a continuation of the book of Luke. And in Acts 1, he says, In the first book, I dwelt with all that Jesus said, did, and taught. Right? So he was writing this down to pass on the teachings of Jesus. And you know, and also in John's prologue, right? Uh, the Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word was there in the beginning with God, 
right? He was not created. He was the second person of the Trinity, and the Word of God became flesh. And of course, we know that God created through his Word, speaking the Word. So I uh, was talking to uh, a spiritual director of mine years ago. Uh, his name was Father Dan Haveron. God rest his soul, he passed away. He was a Franciscan friar. And at one time, you know, um, I started my studies in theology late in life. And I was complaining to Father Dan that I wish I would have started 20 years earlier. How much further ahead would I be? And he asked me if I had ever been into the library at Sacred Heart Major Seminary in Detroit where I was studying. And I said, well, of course. He says, how many books are on those shelves? Thousands, I said. And he said, well, he says, do you think, you know, in, in anybody's lifetime they could read all of those books? Uh, I said, well, of course not. It would be physically impossible. So, you know, one of the things he told me was, well, you know, don't regret that that you haven't started this 20 years ago. He says, take comfort in the fact that you can every day learn something new about your faith and grow in your faith. But he also made a comment that struck me. He said, you know, for 2,000 years, people have been writing about the meaning of Scripture, and we never exhaust the meaning. He says, in 2,000 years of reflection and prayers and preaching and writing and reflecting on the Scriptures, we have not exhausted them. It is the living Word of God. It is relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago, you know, when, when the apostles were writing the original scriptures. So that is my uh, third pillar. The fourth pillar is that, that I stand on is Jesus established a church with authority. Now, as a Franciscan following Francis, if you look at the, Francis wrote a letter to the, all the clergy back, you know, 800 years ago, and he said, we are bound to observe all of these matters, and above all else, according to the precepts of the Lord and the constitutions of Holy Mother Church. And of course, he was referring to the Roman Catholic Church, of which he was a member. Now, you have to remember, Francis lived in a pre-Reformation time. There was only the Catholic Church, and well, then the Eastern Orthodox, but, you know, we still had that uh, apostolic continuity there. But you know, so Jesus established a church with authority. So when I'm looking at what I'm teaching, when I'm reflecting on what is true and what's not true, so I go to and say, what does the church teach about this? And of course, I, I go to sacred scripture and, and I often go to the catechism of the Catholic church. If something I'm thinking about is not in the catechism and it's not what the church teaches, then I have to discard that. I have to say, well, that, that can't be authentic. So in Matthew chapter 16, you know, Jesus established a church and he, he renamed Simon to Peter, which means rock. And he says, Simon, you are rock, and on this rock I build my church. He founded a church, and he says, and I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Now, the keys were a symbol of authority, and in the English hierarchy, and the monarchy there, it, you have the prime minister. And the prime minister would wear as a symbol of his authority to act in place of the king, uh, the symbol of the keys. And what he opened would not be shut right? And what he shut would not be open. He had the authority of the king. And Jesus, as the king of kings, had given this authority of the prime minister to Peter with the symbol of the keys. In fact, that's a symbol of the papacy today. And he says, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What you bind on earth is bound in heaven. What you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. So if he gave Peter and the apostles the authority to bind and loose, that says he gave them some sense of authority, and, you know, what good would it do to found a church, to found an organization, if you didn't have an authority figure, an authority structure to make sure that, that it continues on, you know, according to the will of Jesus? You know, there's also, uh, 
you know, Jesus uh, promised in John chapter 16, 13 also, he says, and the spirit of truth will guide you to all truth. So Jesus gave a promise when he founded the church that the spirit would, would keep the church from error. And in fact, uh, in John 14, 16, Jesus says, and I'm going to send you the advocate, the Holy Spirit, that the Father will send in my name, and he will teach you everything and remind you of all that I told you, right? So Jesus not only established a church, but he kind of gave his promise that the church would be led into all truth by the Spirit. Jesus also said in Luke chapter 10, whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. Whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. Yeah, that's, that's pretty daunting if you think about that. So if we listen to the church that Jesus founded, we're listening to Jesus. If we reject the teachings of the church that Jesus founded, we're rejecting Jesus. And as Jesus says, we're also rejecting the Father who sent him. You know, that's, that's, I look at that and I go, well, you know, so when the church teaches, I need to pay some pretty close attention to it. You know, he says um, also, Matthew chapter 28, we have the Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Right? So he gave the apostles a mission to go and make disciples of all nations. And if you believe that Jesus is God and that he is the way to the Father, then the most charitable thing that we can do for anybody is to bring them to Christianity. And right, that is the missionary nature of the church, to go out and make disciples of all nations and bring them in to the fold of Christ. Bring them the knowledge of forgiveness of sins through the, the sacrifice and through the life, death, passion of Jesus Christ and his resurrection and ascension into heaven. And if you still have further doubts that he gave authority to the church, in John chapter 20, verse 23, he says, whose sins you forgive are forgiven, whose sins you retain are retained. Now, obviously, then, he's giving them the authority and the, the ability to, in the name of Jesus, and it's really Jesus who forgives through the ministry of the apostles that have carried on through the centuries, through the, the apostolic ministry of the bishops and the priests working instead. You know, we have to realize, and, and we can do a whole episode on, on this whole forgiveness of sin, which I think we will. But again, he gave them authority, and he gave a divine promise. Right? The gates of hell will not prevail against my church. So, brothers and sisters, I take a look at these four pillars. Right, Truth is objective. If it's true, it cannot be not true. Jesus is divine, so I have to take what he says serious. I have to give serious consideration to the teachings and the sayings and the commandments of Jesus. John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Third pillar, scripture is the inspired word of God. So I have to take what it says seriously, because if in faith I truly believe that that is the word of God, I can't just pick and choose. It is God's teaching us. And then fourth, God established a church with authority, so I have to give due consideration and serious consideration to all that the church teaches, because God gave them the authority to bind and loose, gave them the Holy Spirit to lead them into all truth and to remind them of everything that he taught them through the years that he was with them, sort of forming them to go forth as missionaries and to bring knowledge of salvation to the whole world, knowledge of Jesus Christ and his salvation to all nations making disciples. Scripture also tells us that faith comes through what is heard. 
which is a really interesting in Romans 10, 17. Faith comes from what is heard. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he didn't leave behind a book. He didn't tell the disciples, go out and pass out books that people might read the word, come to believe and be saved. But faith came through what was heard. The church went out and preached orally. And so you find St. Paul said, conduct yourselves according to the traditions received from us. There's a lot of people that say, oh, you know, it's, it's the Bible alone. Well, yes, uh, we take the Bible as our rule of faith. There's also uh, some traditions that were handed down. You know, I have, we have to realize, and, and this is a whole other episode as well, up until modern times, the majority of the world was illiterate, right? There was very few people who could read and write. And so what they learned was passed on orally and passed on through tradition. That's what the church does with its teaching authority. And we could get into the whole subject of infallibility. That's a whole other topic itself. You know, we certainly don't have time to, to do that subject justice here as well. So, sisters and brothers, welcome to Franciscan Dave. It is my hope and my prayer that by listening to the teachings of this ministry, which is a ministry of, of Taub Ministries, which is a nonprofit teaching and retreat ministry that I established a few years ago, to spread the word, to rebuild the church, to give, to equip us sisters and brothers to have the strength and the faith to be strong living stones in this church that we are rebuilding, especially in these post-COVID times. So I just pray that the Holy Spirit will bless you, the Holy Spirit will inspire you, the Holy Spirit will lead your mind to all truth in faith in Jesus Christ, and that by that faith in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit will lead you closer to that relationship with the Blessed Trinity, to which is our destiny in heaven, to live and share in the divine union and love of the Blessed Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So thank you, uh, sisters and brothers, and I look forward to uh, our, our future times together. Powered by Riverside FM.